Shohei Otani has signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers for a record amount of money, which means we and the Chicago Cubs can move on and go to plan B. We talk about that next. You are locked on Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Sam Older. Please support the show by following on your preferred audio platform, and you can watch, subscribe, and leave a comment on YouTube. Thanks so much for making us your first listen. We are lifelong fans, taking our passion into a discussion with you on all things Cubs. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Welcome in, everybody. Hope everybody's having a good start to their Monday. Um, I am recording this on Sunday at about 11:30 a.m. So if something does break uh before Monday, I'll probably pivot off this episode, kind of like the Cubs need to pivot off Shohei Otani and come up with something new. But I just have a Busy day today, going to my mom's later, don't want to rush out of there. So this was a good recording window for me. A lot to talk about today. Uh, We'll start with Otani, and then we're going to talk about what's next. So so Otani signed with the Dodgers. I guess technically it's not official yet because he has to pass his physical, but I'm going to go ahead and and assume that it is. And, you know, there's a lot here. Uh, There was a big part of me. Um, a very big part of me that that wanted Shohei Otani to come to the Cubs. And I expressed that on this very program multiple, multiple times. Uh, and I, I thought it was a possibility. I thought the Cubs had a really good chance. But one of the main reasons, and I said this on the show, one of the main reasons that I thought the Cubs had a really good chance at getting Shohei Otani was because of his injury uh, into the 2023 season. I thought that injury was going to decrease the price and level the playing field a bit because we all know, and and whether people like to admit this or not, or whether people are okay admitting this or not, the Dodgers just have the deepest pockets in the major leagues. You know, the Cubs are a big market team as well, but they don't have as much money as the Dodgers. That's a fact. If you come out here and just say, hey, you know, the Cubs have the same amount of money, they just don't want to spend it. That's just not true. They don't have uh, as deep of pockets as the Dodgers. And I thought because... Otani had that elbow surgery, and because he's probably not going to pitch at all in 2024, that would level the playing field. And if the Cubs went 500, maybe 550 million, they would have a really good opportunity to get him. The fact that he ended up getting $700 million, that is more money than I thought he would get if he didn't get injured, if he didn't get hurt. Okay. So the fact that that ended up being 700 million, if Matt and I knew, that the final number was going to be $700 million, I don't think we would have wasted more than two minutes of your time talking about Otani in the offseason instead of doing it almost every single day. I can't believe it got that high. I know on this very show I've talked about, hey, it's a good investment. It brings money back. 
the difference between 500 and 700 is is large. I, I don't think there's any one player in any sport that's worth $70 million a year, let alone the sport where you really have the least impact on winning. I mean, Shohei Otani could hit 58 home runs next year. Even if he were pitching, he could pitch great. The Dodgers could win 115 games and then Two bad games in the playoffs, they're one game away from elimination in the DS, just like they lost in the DS the last two years. So I just think that when you when you put it all together, um, I don't want to say I'm I don't want to you know do a cop out and say, oh, well, we're better off without them or or good because that just feels like I'm being a sore loser. But I could honestly say, um, you know, in hindsight. 700 million was too much. And if the Cubs ended up doing it for that amount of money, would I be excited? Absolutely. Would we be doing show after show talking about it? Absolutely. But would I be very concerned about that type of investment and, and what that means? Yes. Because it, you know, you know, God, gosh forbid, if he does, um, if he does get hurt or something, you know, th that, that becomes really, really dangerous, that type of investment. So, you know, what what does it mean for for the Cubs in terms of the Dodgers getting them? Well, I, I think it's a little bit easier for Jed to take if it was the Dodgers and not Toronto. Because if it was for if it was Toronto, it'd be a little frustrating, right? It'd be like, hey, clearly he didn't know his decision this entire time. Clearly he was wooed by the Toronto Blue Jays, and the Cubs could have done that. But you know, it does feel like the Dodgers were it the whole time, which Matt and I did suspect. It does feel like he kind of always wanted to go there and maybe was just using other teams as leverage to get the most amount of money, which is fully within his right. Uh, and there's nothing you could do about that. I am curious, and I know it doesn't really matter that much, but I am curious, like how involved were the Cubs? Because I have not heard one thing about the Cubs in a while. And you have to think that the Cubs were pretty involved because Jed has not done literally not done one thing uh, this offseason uh, since the Otani sweepstakes has had begun. So I really wonder how involved the Cubs were. And, you know, from a baseball perspective now, we already knew we had to go through the Dodgers. We already knew we had to go through Atlanta. And and that, that that's not going to change. So, you know, the, the Dodgers are going to be really tough. They're going to be tough for a really long time. We know this. Uh, but, but the one thing you have to remind yourself about baseball is the Arizona Diamondbacks, the 84-win Arizona Diamondbacks were the team that represented the National League in the World Series this year. It, it is a very random game come playoff time, and it's only going to get more random uh, as it goes. So, you know, your job is to consistently uh, win, win divisions, get yourself there, and then hope, you know, you run into the Dodgers at the right time or you run into Atlanta at the right time, and, and you're able to have success. But, yes. This does mean that the Dodgers are going to be the team to go through now for the next however many years. But, you know, is that really different? When we won the World Series in 2016, we had to go through L.A. The next year when we tried to win an another World Series, we had to go through L.A. You always have to go through L.A. Arizona made the World Series this year. They had to go through L.A. Like it just it's what it is. So. Um, to me, it's just not that big of a difference in terms of perspective for the Cubs. Yes, the Dodgers got a lot better. Uh, Atlanta is going to be really good. It's going to be really, really difficult in the regular season to even be within seven, eight, nine games of those teams. But the good news is it's not 1955 anymore. It's not the best record in the National League versus the best record in the American League plays in the World Series. If that was the case, we'd be in serious trouble. But you have the randomness of the postseason, and you have to take that and use that to your advantage and see if you can um, you know, find a way to beat those guys uh, at the right time. The, the Otani stuff, the last thing I'll say about it until we talk Cubs is, you know, I, I think 
I'm really debating, and I don't know the answer yet, whether I think this is really good for the game or really bad for the game. I see both sides of it. I think the the positives are clear. The best player in the world and one of the most gifted baseball players, if not the most gifted baseball player of all time, is going to be playing in a major market that's going to be competing for the postseason and being in the postseason every single year, which is good for him and it's good for the sport. Um, but on the other hand, I, I just, and I'll talk about this later on when I wrap up with the media, I, I just don't think this process was very good for the game of baseball. I don't think one player getting $700 million is very good for the game of baseball because there's literally like maybe two or three teams that even could do that. Um, it makes it very difficult on, on a playing field side, like, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays or Cleveland or Milwaukee or anyone else. Like they're just not even, they, they can't even look at somebody like that. And it's like, you know, analytics and, and player development has really helped even the playing field where where teams that have the most payroll aren't guaranteed for the most success and the randomness of the playoffs like I talked about. But this this just seemed like a, a step too far for me. Um, so I see both sides of it. For, from a baseball winning perspective, he's going to the Dodgers. It's going to be, you know, they're going to win 100-plus games. They're going to be must-see TV every night on the West Coast, late at night, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Shohei Otani, and more. But I just, from a... From just a, a common sense side of it, I, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. I, I'm just not positive this whole process was great for the game. I I, I didn't enjoy it. It, it, it. There was a lot of bad media leaks. And then at the end of the day, the money, you know, I, I, I usually don't like to complain about, you know, athletes getting overpaid because it's just, you know, that I always explain this to people. If it's not them, then it's just going to be the owners collecting more. But this one just felt like 700 million, like, you know, and, and and we have a show, right? So we have a medium and I almost just kind of feel guilty, maybe not guilty, but I just don't feel very intelligent spending as much time as we did on Shohei Otani on this program and realizing he got 700 million. Like it was just a moot point. Like we didn't even have to go there. If that was going to be the case, you know, it was just, it just kind of felt like one big waste of time and I'm, I'm excited to move on from it, but no, no disrespect to him. And, and, you know, it is what it is, but coming up next, we get into the, the big stuff. What next for our ball club? How is our ball club going to find a way to win 90 baseball games, win the national league central and continue the positive momentum that they have built because they have to do that. They cannot punt on 2024 and the time to make a move is now. And we're going to talk about that next. First, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL season is coming to a close pretty soon. I'm about 20 minutes away from catching up on some work stuff and putting on the Chicago Bears. They kick off at noon on Sunday on the lakefront. Uh, America's number one sports book is FanDuel. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. I believe the Bears are giving three or getting three points at home today against Detroit. Um, I don't really have much opinion on that one way or another. It'll be on in the background while I'm doing other stuff. Who knows what'll happen with the Bears? Who knows what's going to happen with the Bulls? Who knows what's going to happen with the Sox? Who knows what's going to happen with the Cubs? So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the LockedOn Podcast Network and the National Football League. We are back here on LockedOn Cubs. And the question is, is what now for the beloved 
team? What now for the boys in blue? What do they do? They they did not get Juan Soto. They did not get Shohei Otani. They, they do not look very involved in the Yamamoto sweepstakes. We said on this show multiple times, led by me, if they did not get one of those superstars, that this offseason would be a failure. It's trending that way. However, you know the offseason could be a failure in one perspective, in one respect, but still have you excited about what's you know what's to come in 2024 and you know, you know give you a chance to win a division because I think the Cubs need to win the division. You know, I, I've talked about on this show a lot and I will continue to. There are two sides to look at a baseball team or any sort of franchise. There is the fan perspective, which is hey, we need to win and we need to win right now. I'm a fan that's short for fanatic and I don't have patience. And you and me and everyone else is justified in having that perspective. Then there's the long-term, the long-term part of it. And the long-term part says, regardless of what happens in 2024, unless it's just a total disaster, the Cubs are headed into a positive direction. They do have a healthy organization with money to spend, solid player development, and great prospect capital coming through the ranks. But they have to get better in 2024 they went out and got the best manager on the market for a reason and they need to find a way to win some games and to to find a way to make the postseason this upcoming season so what's next well here is what i think the cubs here is the best case scenario in my opinion for the cubs that's absolutely realistic uh to happen i'm not going to say of course the best case scenario would be find a way to get yamamoto and make all these trades but i'm saying just you know keeping it modest I think the Cubs need two starting pitchers. I think they need one higher-end starting pitcher. So maybe a glass now trade. Maybe a Bieber trade. Maybe it's Imanaga. Maybe it's Jordan Montgomery. One of those four names they need to go get. Or, or maybe a Logan Gilbert. Whoever it is, just a higher-end starter, a, a top-two type starter. And then they need a innings eater at the, at the bottom of the rotation. So a four or a five, right? So then your, your starting rotation is Justin Steele. Then that top end, one of those four names that I just mentioned, Hendricks, Tyone, and then another guy, right? Another guy that's 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 more of a, like I said, an innings eater guy. You know, ERA maybe in the low fours, but he's going to give you 180 innings and, and you feel confident when he's out there. That's a good rotation, but they're missing, you know, they're missing 40% of it and they got to go get that. Offensively, I think they need two impact bats, right? The easy thing to say would be, you know, I don't think they're going to, they're going to overpay for Bellinger. I just, I don't want them to. So if it's not Cody Bellinger, the easy thing to say would be Reese Hoskins and maybe Matt Chapman. But the Cubs are very right-handed. So, so they're probably going to have to go get a left-hander somewhere. You know, so, so maybe it's not Reese Hoskins. Maybe it's Brandon Belt and Matt Chapman. I don't know. But I think two arms, one top-end arm, one bottom, you know, tier arm that eats innings, two solid impact bats, and then obviously a, you know, a different combination and maybe, maybe a, a back end reliever and a middle reliever, or whatever they want to do, but they, they need a couple of relievers. I'm not going to put a number on that. That's, that's a little bit above my pay grade, but that's what I think. And can they get that done? Yes. My question for you is, is would that even be enough for you though? Would Brandon Belt and Matt Chapman be enough in that lineup? I think the Cubs are, are starting to trend towards just being a team that's just very solid across the board. Not a, a massively high ceiling, but a very high floor. Not anybody on the team that you're racing from the kitchen as you're making dinner to go, oh my gosh, Ian Happ's up. Not, you know, you don't have Otani, you don't have Soto, but 
let's say you do have Belt, let's say you do have Chapman, and you look across the board, Morell's your DH, and you go, you know, Gomes at catcher, Morell at DH, Chapman at third, Dansby short, short, Nico second, Belt first, um, you know, say a hap on the corners, you know, and may maybe a, a filler and center till PCA or Talkman. You know, is that a is that a you know a a sexy team? No, probably not. But is that a solid offense? Is that a solid team that could do damage? Yeah. Is that a team that along with you know, let's say, Steele, Montgomery, um, you know, Hendricks, Tyone, and somebody else? Is that is that enough to win a division? Yeah. With Council, I think it is if they get the bullpen right. But but I think we are I think we do have to admit it that unless the Cubs make a major blockbuster trade, I think we're past the the potential of, you know, oh, what an unbelievable offseason, or oh, I can't wait to go get that guy's jersey. I think it's kind of going to be the same type of team last year where it's just going to be built around having a really high floor and then hoping that one of one of the five or six really solid players you have takes a massive step forward like Bellinger did last year. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think. I, I, I do I do have to admit I think that's the best case scenario. Two two starting arms, one high level, two impact bats, and then a couple relievers. I think that's probably your best case scenario, and I hope they get it done. I've really warmed up to to Jordan Montgomery. I, I really like him. Um, I'm good with him Imanaga. I think I think one thing that I've really come to the conclusion with Jed is I don't think he's really gun ho about making any blockbuster trades of any of his main prospects this early on um, from just his interviews. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what the glass now return will be. I think he's, I think he's much more comfortable. Jed is giving up like major league guys, like, like a, a Wisniewski and a sod and maybe even a Morel if it called for it, but I don't think he's comfortable giving up like PCA or Horton or Casey or one of those guys. So It'll be really interesting what happens. I do think the Cubs are going to be active here soon. Um, I do think pretty soon we're going to have something to talk about. And I'm curious to hear what you guys think in the comments. Like, what now constitutes a good offseason for the Cubs now that Otani is off the board, Soto's off the board, and Yamamoto is looking extremely unlikely um, for the Cubs? I think the goal right now has to be, no matter what we do, even if we got Shohei, we're still probably not as good as Atlanta and after the off season, probably not as good as LA. Uh, it, th that always was going to be the case. So I think the goal now is really lock in on the NL central. What do we need to do to be better than St. Louis heading into opening day? What do we need to do to be better than Cincinnati heading into opening day and Milwaukee and really focus on that, find a way to that, to win that division, continue that positive momentum, see what happens in the postseason, and then you know do this all over again next December at the winter meetings and hope to have better luck with a superstar. I think that's the plan uh, right now. But um, you know we'll see what happens. I, I, I'm still excited. I, I really want to see some activity. I, I do tend to confuse activity with, with um, you know productiveness during this time of year and, I, and I'm really I'm really craving some sort of move, a middle reliever, just something, something for us to talk about besides uh, hypothetical and uh, hot stove stuff. But, uh, yeah, I want to wrap up the show uh, really quick. Coming up next, just talking about uh, what a disaster uh, the Major League Baseball media outlets were during the Otani free agency. We are back here on Locked on Cubs. Just really quick, going to conclude uh, the show by just talking about how we got to be better uh, with media. We got to be better on Twitter. We got to be better with you know, we, we live in this world. I don't want to get too um, philosophical with you, but we live in this world right now 
where there's just no ramifications. There's no punishment for posting false things. It just, there isn't right. That's why so many people that I know that I respect, you know, don't really go on social media or have social media because it just spreads false info. It, it, it's, it, it makes you overly impressionable. It's, it, it's a bad influence. I mean, there's a lot of good about social media, but there's a lot of bad. And I just think we saw the bad uh, during the Shohei Otani free agency. It's just that, that people have this craving. They just have to have instant gratification and instant reaction. Even if it's not true, it just has to feed it. And you know, like I said, I don't want to get get overly into this with okay how COVID impacted it, but I just it just wasn't a good look. And, and what I'm talking about is, is many reporters just jumped the gun on reports, um, reported things too early, reported things that they that they didn't know for a fact just to get traction out there because this was such a mysterious. Um, you know, free agency situation to where if you could be the reporter that said, Hey, I heard that Otani's doing this and that, then it's going to really help your cause. And to me, I think as big of a problem as the reporters were, I think the audience was just as big of a problem because it was so clear for about at least seven to 10 days that nobody really knew anything. When you look at Jeff Passan, who's the most respected guy in the business, along with Ken Rosenthal, they never really said anything. They just gave their opinions. So if those two guys aren't giving you anything, you, 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 the, the audience just went to everybody. Like I had people on Saturday morning, I think it was late Friday night, somebody, I'm not going to say they're, they're account, but somebody who really has no, you know, I think they have less followers than me, maybe like a couple thousand followers on Twitter posted that they, you know, heard that a Shohei Otani deal to the Cubs is imminent. And I must've had like 35 people send this to me. Hey, is this legit? Hey, is this legit? And I said, no, it's not legit at all. Like, are you looking at his followers? Are you looking what he does? He has no inside information at all. And it just showed me like, Anybody can post a story if you have any sort of following and just get traction on it. And people will believe what they want to believe. So Cubs fans wanted to believe that he was coming to the Cubs. So when that guy posted that, they believed that it. it just wasn't true. And I just think we all have to get better with that. I, I miss the olden days where, you know, you just you, you go get the paper, you know, one day and you read and, and that's you know, that's true. It's printed in the Tribune and, you know, you know, Otani went to the Dodgers. It, it was the headline in the paper. Versus just this instant world. I mean, and it's not just baseball. You know, it's not even just sports. It's everywhere. But sports is the best example. Like the NFL draft or the NBA draft. You can't be on Twitter during the NBA draft because Wojnowski and Shams are two, three picks ahead of you. What just happened to just watching the draft? Let's just watch the guys get picked. That's the fun part of it. You don't have to report it two minutes before. Like, why is that such a victory? Why is that such a a massive win that you know two minutes before the universe who's going to get picked? Why can't you just let us enjoy it? And as audience members, why can't we get off Twitter and just enjoy it? it it's it's just this icky, frustrating part of of regular media and sports media right now that I think was just on full display uh, with the Otani news. And I think we have to be better as an audience and the reporters have to be better. Report what you know. If you have a legitimate scoop that you feel great about, report it. If you don't and you're just you're some guys telling you that that, you know, there's a sushi sushi reservation on a, uh, you know, on a Saturday or Friday night in Toronto and that's your best scoop. You've been doing this for a long time. You know, maybe maybe get a different one. So that's just my take on it. Um, 
a, a, another wild week that really resulted in nothing for the Cubs. I, I, I almost would guarantee that this week will have something happen for the Cubs. And if I'm here next Sunday getting ready for my December 18th episode, and we still haven't made a move yet. I, I prop my, my hands might be shaking on the, uh, on the broadcast. So um, we will catch you the rest of this week. Matt will be on. Technically, we do go down now to three days a week of recording, but I haven't spoken with Matt yet. We might still be pretty active here um, going forward just because, you know, the Cubs hopefully will make moves. And when they make moves, um, it's our job to talk about it. Shout out to the everydayers who are with us all five episodes throughout the week. And you can become an everydayer by checking us out each and every weekday. Be sure to hit that subscribe button for Locked On Cubs on YouTube. And please smash the like button. Let's get to 400 likes on one of these puppies pretty soon. It really helps us out, guys. Uh, we are also on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast and streaming on Sirius XM. I'm Sam Olber. This is Locked On Cubs.